Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Coringai Post and the Hornsby RSL. Anthony the Bull Caruso here and the football world is now in full swing as we start gearing up for the return of the biggest football competition in the world. Yes, the English Premier League is back on in a matter of weeks and this season looks to be another hotly contested season ahead. No other competition can produce this much drama, excitement and intrigue. What's more, it's so big, we need two episodes to give this the attention to detail and the respect that it deserves. To do that, we've assembled the biggest fans we can find, representing clubs competing in the competition. We already have Southampton covered right here, right now, so we need some other clubs covered here. Joining us first off tonight, our Chief Football Correspondent and our resident Aston Villa fan, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you. Good evening, Bull. Good evening, listeners. Pleasure to be here. Yes, football in full swing. It's the beauty of having a European competition on this year is that it uh, won't be too much of a break until the best competition in the, not just the world of football but in the world of sport returns to uh, our television screens uh, in the near future. Another big season ahead. Can't wait to get stuck in and talk about it. Joining us tonight, Don, I'm so excited for this. Two guests who know football like the back of their hands. Both of them making their debut on Triple H Sports. To start off with, we've got a fan favourite here from Manly United. One of the hardest working forwards and wingers from the club. A popular figure in the competition. I believe he is a very passionate supporter of his club. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him announce his allegiance here. But he is the blonde bombshell of Cromer Park, Scott Balderson. Good evening to you. Good evening, boys. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm actually really looking forward to this. There's a lot of football going on at the moment with the Euros on as well, so it's an exciting time heading into the um, Premier League season. And hopefully, my boys, the Red Devils, can kick on again next year and have another big season with Ollie at the wheel. Oh, mate, how, how good does it feel? Honestly, it's, it's been great to see sort of some of the improvement there. And we'll go through Manchester United throughout the course of this show. Making his debut as well, an unheralded champion both on and off the pitch. He made his debut in MPL1 with Manly United over 15 years ago. Has spent many years plying his trade uh, in the lower divisions of the Spanish La Liga. Even time playing for Northern Spirit back in the days under Laurie McKenna. Uh, in the days of the old NSL. One of Bathurst's best, he's rivaling Brian Grant, he of the Golden Nipple, and he's back in the country, based in sunny Queensland. Please welcome Michael Lloyd-Green. Good evening to you. Hey, thanks so much for having me, boys. This is awesome. I haven't been able to speak to anyone about football for a long time. I've got all girls here in my house, so I'm really looking forward to this opportunity. How does it feel... To, to share your town with a person as much of a god as yourself, a Bathurst as Ryan Grant, the golden oh. nipple himself. Mate, even just being mentioned in the same breath as that, as that guy, I don't even feel, I don't feel worthy, mate. <laughs> Honestly, um, that dude is like, yeah, a hero in our town. Not just for like what he's done uh, on the field, but just off the field. His personality, he's just such a humble bloke and he just really represents Bathurst so well. Right down to the hair, isn't that right, Scott? Yeah, definitely down to the head. <laughs> I'm, glad he's gotten rid- I'm glad he's gotten rid of that mullet now, to be honest. I needed to go. 
<laughs> Gentlemen, 10 teams tonight in alphabetical order. A mountain of stuff to talk about in terms of squads, transfers, coaches, and of course, our famous and often terrible predictions. Dom, you beat me last year. I'm coming back for you this year. I beat you convincingly last year, Caruso. It wasn't even like close in the end. A storm home. Who was, what was your top five, Caruso? Um, top four. I think it was Liverpool just ahead of Manchester City. Chelsea yeah. and Manchester United in that order. I think I got four of the four teams correct, just in the wrong order. In, in the order, yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah. Dom nailed the order, I think. That's why he got over the line. Oh, so dear, yeah. With all that, we are set to make a start. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. <laughs> We're going to kick things off tonight with our first team in alphabetical order. It is Arsenal, managed by Mikel Arteta. They finished eighth last year. Dom, why don't you start off the transfers for them so far, and we do know that there may be more to come. Yeah, look, a big year ahead for Arsenal, and and it starts with their roster, doesn't it? I mean, already the you know you've seen the likes of David Luiz go um, out the door, and there's, there's talks around. Uh, um, other players are looking to to, to offload, um, along with some more unknown players. You're looking at Trey Coyle, Mark McGuinness, Sek Medley, Dinos uh, Mavropanos, um, who are all leaving the club. They haven't bought anyone in yet, but I don't expect it to be a, a season in which Arsenal bring in a lot of talent. I think they've got a decent enough squad. It's just a matter of maybe just uh, cutting rid and, and bolstering it in in certain areas. But my lord, they've got a they've got a year ahead of them, Arsenal. Real. Real transition phase uh, coming up for the Gunners, and I'm a little nervous about where they might be heading. Scott, we've seen some of the rumours that has popped up there, and there's a couple of very big ones to talk about. In particular, the rumour that they're going to sign Ben White and that Hector Bellerin could be off to Inter Milan. What do you think Arsenal needs to do to pick themselves up? Because it's been a very few lean few years for them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for Arsenal this year. As, as, as you just said, we, they're definitely in a transition period. At these big clubs or so-called bigger, as they say, bigger six clubs or whatever they are now, the transition period isn't isn't really something they should say really because they've got enough money to bring players in so they should be able to get the job done pretty quickly. But I, don't, I can't really see them bringing in that many signings. I think they're going to have to rely on their younger players now, boys like Smith Rowe and then obviously uh, Bakayo Saka is absolutely killing it for England at the moment. So they're going to need to rely on boys like that to... to to kick on and get them over the line next year, I think. So, yeah, as you said, it's going to be a transition period, but I can't really see them spending big and bringing any any big, big players in. I know they'll probably sign Ben White. I think that's probably a done deal, to be honest. Yeah, I just can't see them bringing any, any more other players in. I think they're just going to have to do with what they got because I know their owners don't like spending that much cash. Michael? The, one of the biggest issues Arsenal had last year in particular was trying to re-establish who was going to be the the number nine. The issue that they've had, they've got you know three great strikers in Alexander Lacazette, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and Gabriel Martinelli in there, but they're all squabbling for the same position, and it seems like when they try to put all of them on at the same time, they don't go anywhere. No, absolutely, mate. And they've also got Nicolas Pepe as well that they spend a bit of money on as well to bring him in. And um, honestly, mate, it's just like, it's just that competition, isn't it? To see who's the star striker there. Um, they try to put two of them together, but like nowadays in, in modern football, having two strikers up front doesn't really seem to be the go. It seems to be having those two wingers on the side that cut in. So obviously, um, yeah, they sort of have to get that solved. I think Aubameyang should be the one striker up there by himself. 
and hopefully they can get people like William running in from the sides and, and helping out there, just providing goals behind him. But yeah, it's it's a big issue that they need to solve. I think. I think they need players like William as well. They're going to need players like William to step up next year too, because yeah. if they're relying on players that aren't having good performances, when you got players like William, then you need those players to be performing week in week out. And if you haven't got a bummer young firing, then you're not going to kick on in general. So young boys aren't going to be able to learn from those boys if they're not on either. I've gone for the 10th place. Gentlemen, your predictions for Arsenal? They're going to be in ninth place for me, a little bit higher than you, mate. I think they're going to have a better year, but um, they're still not going to be up in the European places. I reckon I'm going to go with eighth place I'm going to go with. I think it's, I just think it's going to be such a tough year next year because I think a lot of teams are going to kick on. So I think it's going to be very tight, but I'm going to go in and, yeah, I'm going to go with eighth place. Ninth for me, Caruso. I see them dropping. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go with you. Actually, I'm going to go ninth to mix it up because I don't want to go the exact same as you when we look back and, uh, I'm going with nine. A strategic tip, that one. Mm. Let's move on to the next team, and it is Dom's beloved Aston Villa, managed by Dean Smith. Coming home. They they finished a very credible (laughs) 11th last year, and they've been active in the transfer market already. It's a big year ahead for Villa. Obviously had a fantastic season after their um, narrow escape the year prior on their return to the Premier League. Brought well, got the team in order. Defensively were fantastic. The signings they made were top tier. The likes of uh, Emiliano Martinez coming in and between the sticks. Getting the best out of uh, Esri Konza and, and Tyrone Mings at the back. Matty Catch made a world of difference at right back. So they did very, very well. So obviously... Uh, they're probably going to look to do the same this year. They do let go some players that probably had, I, I personally think as a Villa fan, probably their time had expired quite some time ago. Callum Rowe out the door to Exeter City, never uh, made the Premier League quality. Ahmad El Mohamedi and Neil Taylor, who, uh, especially Neil Taylor, who I, I don't think has been Premier League quality ever, let alone playing as a reserve grade player for Villa. El Mohamedi was good as a bit part player, but uh, yeah, I think age finally catching up with them. Sad to see Tom Eaton go um, off to... Manchester United, where it all started for him, uh, for for the, the English veteran, great keeper. Um, he will provide stiff competition for those two underperforming world beaters that the Red Devils, <laughs> appar- Red Devils apparently have at their disposal. And Bjorn Engels, uh, he just unlucky that copped an injury uh, when he did, because he was actually one of the better players in Villa's t- uh, tough year. They bring in, well, probably the biggest signing so far this year, Emiliano Brendia from Norwich. They've had lots of people have big raps on. This man, he's been killing in the championship. Didn't work out for him the first time that they played in the Premier League, but he comes into this Villa team, which is, you know, brimming with talent and plays exciting football. I think he'll be an absolute class signing for Villa, exactly what they need. And then Ashley Young returns from where he kind of started his career. Obviously, he didn't start at Villa, but uh, he um, made his name at Aston Villa, and uh, he's back from Inter Milan, so that'll be a good uh, backup. Some big signings. I know they're trying to bring in um, Elliot Smith-Rowe from Arsenal at the moment. They're trying to make big signings, but obviously, with that transfer activity, obviously, has uh, highlighted the ever-present departure of Captain Jack Grealish, who I know Manchester City are very keen on bringing in. With the way he's playing at the moment, I think he probably deserves a, a, a transition to a, a Champions League side. If Villa can keep him this year, uh, well, and and push for Europe, then well, that's uh, some very very smart business. But I don't know if the uh, if the man can uh, wait around for that long. And this is the question we've got, Scott, is that with Grealish in particular, this team has been built around him, and the big clubs are sniffing after him in a big way. Manchester United was linked with him as well. If he goes for the right sum of money, that could have a flow-on effect for Aston Villa, who are going to be splash full of cash to go and spend on other players. Yeah, I mean, if he goes, obviously it's going to be disappointing. 
for the club in terms of having him on the field because obviously when he plays, they really, really turn it on. Obviously, if he goes, that's that's the other thing. You're going to get a top dollar for him. I'd like to think they're not going to sell into City for any less than $120 million in this market. Essentially, essentially, that's going to get you two to three really decent starting 11 players, you'd think. There's a lot of players that aren't playing within bigger sides at the moment as well that can definitely go to these these other clubs and, and, and perform and, and score goals and, and turn teams into even better teams. So, yeah, it'll be disappointing for them, but I still I still think Villa have got enough players within that squad. And as you said, Wendy is a really big signing for them too, I think. I, I'm picking Villa to have another good season this year and, and kick on. And Michael, what we've seen yep. from this team is how well they've built. They've built they've built slowly since their return from the championship. They just snuck over the line. They've progressed very well last year. Where do, they, where do you think they go in order to make this growth sustainable for them into the future? Oh, absolutely. That's- Good question, mate, because they are building quite nicely. And and obviously, I think, in my opinion, it's going to be a bit of a consolidation year. I still think they're going to be about mid-table, but if they can do that and they can hang on to Grealish, like if I were them, I would hang on to Grealish and continue to build the team around him because he does seem to be to be happy there and he has stayed there even despite last year all the rumours. Hopefully that happens again. But if not, then they're just going to have to, I hope they don't go out and do some panic buying. hope they just really do invest that money well because it could be the make or break of the team in the future. Obviously, and they, if they invest well in a few players that, that are more for the future and they, and they mould the team well, don't make too many big changes. I think the future could be really bright for Villa. I've got Aston Villa staying in 11th. Gentlemen, your predictions? My prediction is 12th. Just one under you again, mate. Yeah, 12th this time. I've actually gone, I've actually gone 11th as well. Uh, 6th, boys. European positions for Aston Villa this year. <laughs> Good man. Um, guaranteed, <laughs> especially if Jack Grealish stays on board, I think, with yeah. him and uh, Brendia in the team. And there's obviously talks of bringing in better quality as well, better depth. There's somewhat, I think, last year fell off a little bit after they knew that they were guaranteed safety from relegation and the form kind of dropped. But now that they're a team that can actually... And we're in a, a, for a hunt for a, a European position last year as well until that little drop towards the back end of the season. They can keep that uh, form up all through the year. Be, I think if you, if you can keep Grealish, then, yeah, I think you're going to be doing very well, to be honest. But I just... Yeah, we'll have to say do we do we need to factor in a back in the back in the boys in, in with this regards? So because I could see that happening, maybe happening three more times throughout the course of these predictions. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so. <laughs> let's go. Let's go to the to the fairy tale story from last year. It finally happened, ladies and gentlemen. Brentford FC, managed by Thomas Frank, they finished third last year. They got promoted via the playoffs. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, they did it. They finally did it. The bees are at the highest level of football in England since, I kid you not, 1946-47. It has been a 75-year wait, Dom. It's been an incredible, I would say, journey for this Brentford team under Thomas Schrank. They've come so close over a couple of years, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, having uh, that time spent missing out, because it battle-hardens you. You know, you look at Leeds, who really should have been in the Premier League about three years before that they came back in. Missed out and bottled it on numerous occasions in the playoffs. Brentford did the same thing. They probably should have come up last year. They lost to Fulham. For Fulham, every championship playoff they go into, they end up winning. And they just end up then coming straight back down into the Premier League, into the, in the Championship after you're in the Premier League. But it's kind of, you know, seasons in the Championship and staying in there and building the team and getting that team ready to make that jump, I think can actually be beneficial for them. They have a very kind of Leeds vibe to them uh, this year. Not so much Sheffield United, but Leeds vibe coming into this uh, season's Premier League. Brentford, they've got some real quality up front in particular. I have concerns as to where 
the money's going to come from and how they're going to invest. I know that they run the money ball system um, at the B's, football's version of it anyway. Will that come into effect and and do well in the Premier League? I'm yet to see it. But I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, in the Premier League. It's great seeing new teams come in and great seeing a new fan base and they're going to be, I think, a very enjoyable team to watch. And Michael, this has been a fascinating thing when you look at the three teams that come up year on year. You usually have one team that goes and breaks the bank to try and stay up in the Premier League, one team that might middle of the road, and then one team that almost does absolutely nothing when it comes to transfers. And it looks like Brentford have come in and not really spent that much money to bolster the squad. Absolutely, mate. And honestly, normally what you see is you so right. It's, it's so true. Normally when they get up, they all, like, they get rid of half the squad that got them up there in the first place. And then they try and get in all these people that, you know, couldn't quite cut it at the Premier League level to try and keep them there. So, honestly, I'm not against what they're doing. I think it's quite nice that they're actually going to reward the players that, you know, have helped them get up there into the into the top division, have a bit of faith in them. And guys that obviously, you know, really want to do the best that they can for the club, have a bit of affiliation with them as well, and not just, you know, journeyman uh, mercenaries that are just doing their little bit for the money. So I think it's a quite a good strategy at the moment. I'm all, I'm all for it, mate. And Scott, Thomas, Fra- Thomas Frank has done a pretty excellent job, uh, and he's done a similar thing to what we've seen at Wolverhampton with, the, with Nuno Espirito Santo, who really taps into his own home market to bring players across. There's no more than six players from Denmark in this squad, and they seem to gel quite well together. Yeah, as you're saying, Denmark at the moment, they've, got, they've obviously got a really good batch of footballers coming through that country. It's only up to see the Euros to see how they're going at the Euros. I think they were pretty well written off before the Euros, um, and it sort of shows the colour of footballers that, are, that they're bringing through there. I do think that they're going to struggle a little bit this year. I just don't. There's going to be, as I was saying before, there's going to be a lot of really good teams within the EPL this year, and it's going to be a really tight season, is my prediction. Fair play to them keeping their players together. Um, I think that's I think that's going to be the best thing going forward because if you get rid of a heap of players and bring a heap of other boys in that, that, that don't really work, I think that's a disaster. Obviously, they're not going to win heaps of games during the year, but they, I think they're going to need to keep their togetherness because it, it could get tough. So if you've got the boys there that have been there a while and the coach knows them well, then they'll, they will get results at some times and, and that might just get them into a point in the season where they can maybe be out of that bottom five, bottom six places, you know what I mean? Because essentially that is going to be where they're going to be at this season. I've put them in for 16th and final thoughts and predictions before we move on to the next team, Dom. Yeah, look, I actually, um, I see them surviving this year. I see them coming in at 17th. I think they'll have a kind of Sheffield United kind of year in which they, they'll, they'll surprise a few teams and, and, and they'll bring in some good results. I've got big raps on Ivan Tony and, and Brian and Bio, who I think who will, um, be, uh, real handfuls again, probably scored them the goals that they need to, need to get to keep them in the Premier League for a year. But they will need to do some more investment into this squad. I, yeah, you, you saw it with Fulham. You know, one year they spent millions and millions and didn't make it through. And yeah, they hacked half the squad and that failed for them. But then they did the opposite the season just gone by, along with West Bromwich Albion, didn't invest at all in the squad, and they both got relegated. Eventually, at the end of the day, these players that get you there, I know it's all sentimental, but if they can't cut it, they can't cut it right. And that's where I think they'll need to make some hard decisions uh, before the season starts. Cause they'll, and I say this to every team that comes up into the Premier League, you have to invest in your defence. You have to invest in your defence. If your defence isn't up to scratch, you get eaten alive. 
So um, I have them surviving this year, but they're not going to come in and, and dominate like Leeds have. That's for sure. I'm actually going to go bottom. I'm going to. I reckon they're going to come last. Unfortunately. Uh, oh yeah. The Brentford fans, the Brentford fans, and the football hipsters are going to be after you, mate. Oh yeah. I, I, no, look, I, I actually, yeah, what they've done is unbelievable. But obviously, if they don't invest, yeah, it's, it can be tough if they haven't got the players they're up against. But look, I hope they do well. I want them. I want to see them do well. I just don't think they're going to have the firepower to compete with some of the teams that I think there was teams last year in the EPL that definitely underachieved and under underperformed. Um, so if they under if they achieve, then it's those other the, the, the so-called smaller sides are going to struggle. Yeah, look, mate, I've got to be honest. Uh, my head is agreeing with Scotty saying they're going to finish last, but my heart is saying that they're going to have a little bit of a fairy tale. They're going to stay up, and I'm going with my heart on this one. I'm going to say they're going to come 17th, mate. Just avoid relegation. Wow, they 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 just sit over the bubble. <laughs> I like that. That's it, mate. I'll, I'll cop the slack when they come 17th. <laughs> well, if if we want footballing hipsters, Dom, we know where a lot of them are hanging out these days. It's down on the south coast with Brighton and Hove Albion, managed by Graham Potter. They finished 16th last year. And, you know, if there's a team that's going to be, I think, that that's going to be fighting to avoid relegation again this year, it will be the Seagulls. But there's no reason why. Their team's pretty good. They've got some good quality. They don't, like, if they invested in some, a couple of better players, and let's say some, I'd say like a, a, a creative player and a, a creative player and a holding midfielder, they'd be a mid-table side. They'd be a Crystal Palace. They just don't, I just don't get it. Like, Leandro Trossard, I don't know if people w- w- watch much of Leandro Trossard, but Leandro Trossard is an extremely underrated player. He is very, very good. He just isn't given the support from a defensive point of view. He's p- kind of asked to do everything, and like, and it's just too much. You know, you've got Pasco Grobe, who's a strong player in there. Adam Lallana, if he's fit, I think is was once England's most talented midfielder before, obviously, the team that they have now. But, you know, they've got some quality players in this lineup. Neil Morpay up front. Danny Welbeck knows how to score a goal. Lewis Dunk is a... Fantastic defender. Yes, they'll probably lose Ben White, which will be a big disappointment for them. They're clearing house at the moment. Nobody have mentioned except for Jose Isacarito, um, who never lived up to the hype. But if they invested in a decent couple of players, they'd be a strong team, this Brighton side. And, you know, I know they're not playing Matty Ryan at the back anymore, and they're kind of every Aussie's villain team at the moment. But Robert Sanchez is, is a world talent, and he will be a world talent. And I don't think it's Graham Potter's style. I just think it's ingrained in Brighton's sort of makeup that they're, yeah, they're just a, they're just a team, and they just, they exist in the Premier League. They're just there to make up the numbers. They're not, they're too good for the championship, but they're not really good, good enough to ever really do anything in the Premier League. They're just there to play. And until they kind of change that, they're never really going to be anything else. So yeah, it's an interesting one for them this year. They'll scrap for relegation, I'm sure, and then just survive by picking up a few key wins in the last few weeks of the season, like they've done ever since they got promoted back into the top flight. Michael, it's, it's a difficult thing for a team like Brighton to handle because they just seem to be in this almost purgatory when it comes to the Premier League. They're not quite bad enough to be out and out scrapping to for, to avoid relegation, but they just don't seem to be able to make that step up to potentially chase for Europe. How does a team like this re, um, build themselves up to make a run? Oh, my God, mate. Yeah, Dom absolutely summed that up so well. Like, I was just listening to that nod in my head the whole time because it's so <laughs> true. <you>. Like, um, <laughs> mate, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely what you said was so true. It's like they need, obviously, they've got great talent in there. Like we were saying before, Lalana and Welbeck, you know, on their day, they're, they're great players. I think they need people who have been there and done it and been able to win these things before and know what it takes to, to be able to achieve higher levels in the game. Obviously, the easiest way to get that done is getting in a manager who has been there, like Graham Potter's, you know, he's done his 
he's done well and all those things, mate. But it's getting someone in there who has actually been there and done it and won things uh, at top, top level clubs. I think that would really make, uh, you know, a culture shift at the club as well. Or just getting in, you know, a few of those players that have been there and actually won some really, really big trophies would would do like wonders for the club, you know, and, and the confidence levels and, and their belief system. Scott, we've seen that sometimes with trying to attract talented managers to, to clubs like Brighton and Home of Albion and the challenges that has that, that make. But we've seen a bit of a shift with some of the championship clubs where they'll go get a very senior player that has won something, a la Derby with Wayne Rooney, and all of a sudden they get pushed up very quickly into a managerial position. Is there a possibility for that happening with Brighton, or do they need to go out and spend big for um, one or two massive leaders? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think all everything the boys just touched on then is pretty much spot on with Brighton. As, as they were saying, they've got some quality footballers in there, but they just seem to sort of just kick on every year. So it's, 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 it's a really strange one. I mean... I actually think Graham Potter's not a bad manager. I think he he he, get, he obviously gets the job done, but the, the, as a club, they want more than that. So you have to go out and and if you want to become a bigger bigger club in general, you if and you want a bigger manager as such, then yeah, you go for one of those big sort of head managers. But whether that's going to get them higher up the table, I'm not too sure. I mean, even if they were to bring someone big in into the club. In terms of a managerial sense, it's, that's not just as, that's just not going to all of a sudden bring a heap of good players in and, and all of a sudden they're going to turn into an unbelievable team. I mean, I think that if they just keep, keep on with Potter and, and maybe try and kick on this season, because I think they actually ended the season quite well in the end or the last, say, three quarters of the season, they were doing quite well and they were getting results, but it's a tough one. I mean, they've definitely got some players in there that can play, but they just seem to be a team that doesn't really They'll have a couple of good results and then they'll lose the next three. So it's it's a tough one. Whether a new manager or, or an ex-player that's been at somewhere and has a lot of experience within the EPL is going to come in and, and, and or win you five games in a row and start getting you up the table, I'm not too sure. So it's a tough one with Brighton. I've gone for 15th place. Gentlemen, your tips? I'm going to go 15th as well. Yeah, 15th as well? Yeah. Well, I'm, going, uh, I'm going 16th. Yeah, absolutely. Just one above Brentford. <laughs> stay up. <laughs> Yeah, I might, I might, I might actually go a bit higher with them. I'm going to go 14th. I could, that's reasonable. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. So, all right, our last team before we go to our break, and we have the team from Greater Lancashire out with us now. It is Burnley, managed by Sean Dyche and Dom. They really have made a reputation for themselves as being the new age Stoke City. I don't know how they're still in the Premier League. Sean Dyche is just an absolute weapon of a manager. I just, yeah. I, it's it's astounding. Like that squad. I mean, like we talk about Brighton having a good squad and uh, Brentford not looking to invest. If you want to talk about squads that are bad that shouldn't be playing in the jet, be the Premier League, it's Burnley. They have two good players, yeah. Chris Wood mm-hmm. and Dwight McNeil. McNeil. Dwight McNeil. That's that. He was a Mc something. Yeah, Dwight McNeil. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dwight yeah he's McNeil. a good player. And they've got yeah, James Narkowski and Ben Mee, uh, good players, obviously. And uh, Nick Pope in goals is very good. But outside that, they're a bit plain. That's that, I think that's being quite generous, to be honest with you. Their season, I think, actually this year is probably more in jeopardy than other seasons because James Tarkovsky, who has quite a been their rock alongside Ben Mee, I think desperately wants to try his hand at a better club. And I think so too. I think, he, I think he's got the quality to play for a, uh, even an Arsenal or something like that, uh, James Tarkovsky. But obviously, or West Ham for that, for that matter. But if he goes, then it's going to be hard to replace him. And I'm not too sure 
if Sean Dice can continue to keep this team up. But they've got a, a formula that, that kind of keeps them alive, and it, it's hard to break down. So it's hard seeing them getting relegated again. Uh, it really is, and I see them sort of surviving. You've got to be a brave person to be a Burnley fan, because, yeah, whilst they don't lose and don't get relegated, by God, it's boring watching them play. And, <laughs> and Scott, you know, we talk about them being the new age Stoke City. They've just reinforced it by going out and signing a player from... Stoke City. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dom's really hit the nail on the head with Burnley. I mean, yeah, I struggle to watch them, to be honest. I mean, he's obviously, Dice has obviously got them playing away that, that they need to play to essentially stay up and be in the Premier League. I think this year could be a bit of a turning point for them. I actually think that they could, teams could start to suss them out and they might not get away with it this year. He's done such a good job as a manager, Dice. It could be a hard year for them. I think they could be, they could be playing around the bottom and really battling it out this year for me. And Michael, I mean, we've seen teams really adjust their, their strategy to the modern times, which tends to be more of a far, quick, very athletic style of play. Burnley, it's hardened back to the days of Route 1, long balls, big bodies in the middle, in the up front. Are we going to see now a time, as Scott mentioned, where teams are now going to suss them out and work out the best way to take them on is to keep the ball on the deck and play very quick? Yeah, mate, look, absolutely. Um, teams will try to do that, but Honestly, mate, Burnley just play to their strengths. And even if they do try to do that, I honestly see Burnley as a team. You know exactly what you're going to get. I do not see them going down. I see them staying in the league, <laughs> given it's more boring games. <laughs> but, mate, honestly, just the way they play, they play to their strengths. They know exactly what they got. They haven't got a good squad. Just like Dom said, Sean Dyche knows that. So he's not going to start playing any sort of different style. He knows what works. The other teams will try to play around that. But these guys are just, they really stick to their game so well. It would be very hard to break them down and, and relegate them, I, I feel. Well, I'm with you guys in that, which is why I've tipped them for 17th. They just stay up. Your tip. <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm going down this year. I'm going 18th. They're, they're bubbled. Yep. I think they've popped for me. I'm going 15th, mate. Burnley are oh. definitely staying up. They're just... Yeah, like I said, they're just going to keep boring us for another season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, look, I have them at at 16th. I don't see them going down either. Um, Nathan Collins is a good pickup. Um, They do lose James Tarkovsky. Nathan Collins is a... um, I think they've been waiting for his chance to play in the Premier League, and he is perfect. Burnley material. Big, good in the air, commanding. You know, he's played pretty much in that system his entire life at Stoke. So he'd be pretty much slotting straight in. It'd be pretty much just putting on a new jacket. I think they'll, uh, yeah, continue to bore us. What we'll is, see some has anyone come, has that, has anyone come in for Tarkovsky at the moment or is he, what, how's it, what's he looking at? I just don't think he signed another, he doesn't want to sign a contract with them. Yeah, so, right. But I haven't, yeah, to be fairly honest with you, like, I haven't seen too many clubs race to sign him. So maybe, mm. maybe the price tag was a bit of a, was a bit off-putting for some clubs, but now that he's not signing a contract and that Burnley will probably want to look to get some sort of money for him, someone can pick it up for cheap. But I just the difficult thing for him is, is I just don't know where he slots into. Maybe if he goes over to Brighton, if they replace him with uh, Ben White with him, I'm not too sure. Well, with that, we're going to go to take our break, and when we come back, we'll have the second part of part one of the 2021-22 EPL preview. This is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au, and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Korean Guy Post, and the Hornsby RSL. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. 
Back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for the Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Career Guide Post and the Hornsby RSL. Anthony Caruso with Dom Rizzuto, Michael Lloyd-Green and Scott Balderson going through the 2021-22 EPL preview. We're into... The second half of our part one preview, yes, it's so big, we've got to go over two podcasts for this, and we're now going to move on to our second team out of London, the boys from Stamford Bridge in Chelsea. Dom, they haven't done a lot in terms of transfers coming in, but as we know, with Chelsea, they tend to go late, and they tend to go big. Yeah, they haven't done any transfers yet, I think is the key way of putting uh, that uh, emphasis on uh, their uh, position in terms of the transfer market. They have seen a lot of players go, though. Mainly just kind of clearing house. Uh, you know, a couple of goalkeepers have been released, and Jamal Blackman and Wibby Caballero, and then a bunch of guys that you wouldn't know, so I'm not going to mention their names. Apart from uh, Fikayo Tomori, who has been signed by AC Milan, which I think is an absolute steal at £24 million, pounds, around you know, £40 uh, million Australian dollars. He's a great talent. I'm surprised that Chelsea were so kind of easy to uh, bend and release him for that price to, to, to AC. So interesting to see where they'll go in the transfer market this year. Obviously, last year they fully kind of saved their year after parting ways with Frank Lampard. They bought in Thomas Tuchel, got him to a Champions League, won him a Champions League incredibly with the squad, kind of justifying the money that they spent on certain players. I don't think there's really too much that they can do to this squad, except maybe sign uh, a striker. But do you run with Timo Werner for another year and see if he can be that 30-goal player like he was uh, in Germany? Or do you spend big again and look to get in someone like a Haaland from Borussia Dortmund? I'm not too sure for Chelsea. But for me, last year, we all thought that they were going to be competing for a title. They always had that sloppy start, so they were kind of hindered into, in, that, in that realm. But if they can start well again, get these young players firing, I can guarantee you that they'll be pushing the likes of City, Liverpool and United for the Premier League title this year. Where do you see them finishing, Dom? I see them finishing in fourth again. I just can't. I, I can't see the City or Liverpool or United. I, maybe they could finish above United, but I, I think Liverpool's last season last year was an anomaly, and I still don't think any teams on paper, are better than even Liverpool or Manchester City. And I just can't I, I can't gamble on those two not being one or two at the moment. So I'm putting Chelsea in... You know what, here's my makeup. I'm going to have them in third this year for Chelsea. Um, but they've got some sightings, I'm sure, that'll come in and, and change that tip before the first ball is kicked. And this is the thing, Scott, because Chelsea's got a reputation for leaving it late in terms of their transfers, but they they have been linked with Erling Haaland. They've been linked with Paulo Dybala. They've been linked with Lucas Vasquez as well. And the only thing they've got to offer really about it is AC Milan potentially taking Olivier Giroud on a free. Yeah, I mean, when, you, when you're one of the clubs that has a lot of money like they do and any of the, say, oh, your cities, your United, your Chelsea's and your owners that are happy to spend the money are always seem to be linked with every player going in, the, in, in Europe. The Haaland one's interesting. I mean, I, I can't see him leaving Borussia this year and, and going there. I think they'll obviously stick with Werner. I think he did struggle at times, but he still scored a heap of goals at the end of the day, and, and, he, and, and he wasn't firing. So it could be a situation where next year he absolutely bombs goals in. I mean, they obviously spent $300 million last year. I don't see them spending anywhere near as much money. I think they were obviously needed to get those players and, and fair play to them. They got them in and, and it got the job done. 
I mean, with Frank, it obviously wasn't happening, but when they got Tuchel in, he seems like a manager that really, really understands what he's doing with those kinds of players and those boys that are the top of their craft. Yeah, I can't see them spending much money this year, but I think they'll kick on. But they're obviously in the market for, I think they're going to be in the market for Haaland when he's available. If there was one spot I reckon that they might look at is maybe in that center, center back role. I, I think they like Rudiger in there, but I don't think two shells sold on him. I think he can cause mistakes and cause errors for, for, for other teams to pounce on. So yeah, I think that'd be an interesting one. I actually think they will look at another center half as well. So we'll see how they go. Your tip for them, Scott? I've got them, I've got them third. You got them third. Okay. Yeah. Michael, one of the things we've noticed with this team was the way that the departure of Frank Lampard, obviously the, the biggest talking point for this squad from last year, uh, we saw how well he did with a squad that didn't have a lot of talent, had to rely a lot on their juniors, but it's a different thing when you all of a sudden have all of the possible resources available to you from new, from new big name players coming through. How does it, how do you, how does one manager go between those particular modes, do you find? Yeah, so basically, I think I think what you're referring to is when Frank was at Derby, yeah, just before he joined um, Chelsea and he had yeah. the young team. Exactly right, mate. Well, the thing is with, with Frank, obviously, he showed that at Derby, he can really look after young players, which is why... You know, he's linked so heavily with the England under-21 job when he lost that. And, you know, he does do a great job with young players. And, he, you know, Chelsea have to thank him so much for bringing in Mason Mount because that guy is an absolute gun. Everyone knows that. But, yeah, it's, it, it is tough. When you start getting all that money, obviously, um, then the expectations grow. The fans, you know, start telling you who to sign. <laughs> and at Chelsea also, you know, obviously you've got Abramovich uh, in Frank's day telling him exactly who to sign as well, so he has a big call on those things as well. So I think the problem there is, you know, Frank maybe wasn't given full control of, of who he wanted to sign in the team and how he wanted to mould the team. And a big team like that with so much money, they want instant results. So, yeah, that was something that was working against him as well. Yeah, it's an interesting one on, on Frank Lampard. I think being Frank Lampard, and yes, he, of who he is, but he hasn't he hadn't really done much as a coach and then you've got a, that kind of senior crop of players who we almost, he almost played with some of them as well. And they've all, they've all, it's kind of just like, you know, when your best mate becomes your boss, you know, do you start treating him like your boss? Will you ever be able to kind of see them as your manager? I, I, I don't know though that kind of works, right? And I think he kind of lost that dressing room eventually, especially when things didn't start to go their way. In saying that, Thomas Tuchel obviously has that experience at PSG, so when he came in, he knew how to handle those crop of like stars. Lampard had never had to deal with so many egos and manage so many different personalities. He had like three strikers at one point, right? He had Timo Werner, Tammy Abraham, and Olivia Giroud all really should have been getting game time at, at, at different clubs, but they're all in one squad. You know, how do you manage that? How do you how do you keep that going? It's difficult, right? And you know, and that comes with experience. I just don't think he has that yet. He needed he needed more time before he made the jump. It was a brave jump, and I respected him for it. But I don't think that's why it ever worked out. But yeah, as I mentioned, Ch- Chelsea third. I think they should play Tammy Abraham up front just quietly as well. Dom's literally just summed it up there. I was just going to say I, with Tuchel, I think he you've got to remember he's come from a crop of players where you've got. Boys like Mbappe, Di Maria, and they're, they're massive. They're, they're, they're big players, and they've, they've got big egos at, that, at, that, at young ages as well, and they're worth so much money. And I think there's a difference between Frank being a player and, and, and playing with those boys and then, and then making a transition to all of a sudden you're coaching them and they've just been bought for $100 million and into a squad, and then they're not playing. Yeah, I think that, that, that sums it up pretty well with Tuchel, and he's got that experience. 
Very quickly, Michael, your tip for Chelsea? Knowing yeah, as well um, that your knowing as well that your brother is a massive <laughs> fan of them. <laughs> yeah, this this probably won't Relegated. surprise you then. This probably won't surprise you then, mate. Um they're gonna win. They're gonna win the champ uh, the, the, the the English wow. Premier League, mate. I'm telling you. I'm is this, telling is you, mate, this, is this you backing the boys in? Is this you backing nah, the boys in? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mate, this is it, mate. They're going to do it, boys. I honestly feel they've got the confidence after winning the Champions League, even if they don't sign anyone. I reckon Werner's going to have a breakout season, and I think Ziyech as well has got so much to show that he still hasn't. So I think really, honestly, they're going to they're gonna win it this year. <laughs> there's, there's the big call, Dom, right now. Michael's calling Chelsea. <laughs> I like it. It's it's not a bad call. It's not a bad no. call, but for me, there's only two teams that can win the league again this year. Yeah, well, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Let's go to a... T- we've just come from having a great bit of fun with one club. Now let's go to the one where we're just thinking, how low will they go? It is Crystal Palace. They've just announced that they have signed Patrick Vieira to be their manager. They finished a rather credible 14th, but Dom... All I'm going to say is I've got them placed 19th for my prediction. It can go lower, and there is absolutely nothing happening at this club. I feel like that this is a club that actually needs to get relegated. Last, Last. this appointment of Patrick Vieira was actually, in my opinion, I, I could eat my words in a few weeks to, in, by, by this time next year, but this appointment of Patrick Vieira, I, I said it to you weeks ago, Chris, so I said it to all... People listen to us here on Triple H and on Splinters and on the bench, etc. Crystal Palace need to get their next manager spot on, like like spot on. Like that was going to be Roy Hodgson get this team in the in the Premier League somehow. And how he did it, very kind of I mentioned a, a team that lacks a, an identity in the Premier League. Got him playing off the back of getting the best out of the likes of Wilfred Sahar, Joe Adenayu, and, and other players uh, alongside him, like Chiqui, I'd say. But Patrick Vieira, really? Zero Premier League experience? Jeez, I mean, this has got this has got Frank De Boer written all over it again for Crystal Palace. It really does. I mean, Patrick Vieira, one of the greats, but he doesn't have a fantastic coaching record just yet. And he's got to come in and rebuild this team, which is, well, it's built, but it's like a 19th century house. You know, it's there, it exists, but you can't do any work on it. I know for a fact that the, the owner's aren't exactly the ones that like to splash cash either. Obviously, they brought in Ebrichietze last year, who was fantastic for them. But, my God, I mean, they've got to, they've got some team here, but they lose Zaha, they lose Etze then to injury, potentially. Then there's nothing left. Yeah, I have them last uh, under Patrick Vieira. The, the, the managerial, they needed to bring in, they needed to spend the cash, bring it, like, try and get Sean Dyche or, or Eddie Howe in. Nah, Patrick Vieira, give me a break. Last, 20. Michael, Michael, how savage are you going to be on this? <laughs> Mate, that is that's pretty savage. I don't know if I can match that. <laughs> but um <laughs> No, nah, but honestly I like I do agree with Dom, like that um the appointment is wah. I mean, this team obviously they they're already struggling and to get in someone without any experience like Patrick Vieira is a very, very tough one. They've obviously missed out on Favre who they wanted. Um this seems to be a bit of a knee jerk like Last minute, like, let's just get who we can and, and get a big name. I would have even gone with, you boys probably laugh at me here, but big Sam Allardyce, mate, even <laughs> in the championship. At least that guy can keep playing. Hey, he's that busy. Mean, he's busy. Go that low, mate. You know what I mean? He can keep teams up, that guy. He's got a bit of a record with it. But honestly, mate, the, this team has got some good players. But, mate, if I was someone like Willie Zaha, I'd be just asking for a transfer. Like, honestly, I'd be like, get me out of here, you know? It's a sinking ship. So for me, mate, yeah, it's 18th. They're going to get relegated for me. They're going to get 18th and relegated for Michael. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough season. I mean, they've got... 
they seem to have no players as well. From like, I mean, most of their old boys are now out of contract. I don't know what he's going to do. They're obviously going to have to bring in some young boys. Vieira, we know what what a player he was when he was in the EPL. But you, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough one for them. I'll, I'll put them in nineteenth to get relegated as well. They haven't spent they they, they don't spend much money. And as as, you, as Mike just said, how Zaha still there? I don't know. It's obviously because they just keep putting a huge price tag on him and no one will take him for that money. But maybe if he goes, then they're going to be in real trouble, I think. So, um, so this, 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 could, this could be the year they go down, lads. <laughs> the, the four of us have tipped them all to get relegated, which means I'll avoid relegation at this rate. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 they'll come tense. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Let's go. Let's head up the north. We are going up to Everton now. And, Dom, the big news coming out of Everton immediately is Rafa Benitez joining Goodison Park. Yeah, it's a big get for Everton. They uh, they needed to, to re- you know, replace uh, Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, with, um, with someone just as credible and well. They've done that. Great pick-up for them. Uh, a manager who will come in and with this squad that was starting to really build, you'll have players go, actually, no, we know who this guy is. This guy is a cut from the same mould as, as Angelotti, Champions League winner. Did wonders at Newcastle on a, well, I say dreadful budget, a non-existent budget. I think we'll do the same uh, for Everton. I actually think he'll be better for Everton, just purely because of his, uh, I don't know, his his understanding of kind of the, the of, of like the English division. And I think it, he'll he'll take them to the next step. I think more so than uh, Angelotti could. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing what they do this year because really they were another team last year that actually, you know, they don't. Where they finished, I actually think would be I'd be disappointed considering how they started. They were first for like the first six weeks of the competition, and then ended up coming tenth. I think they should have been in a European European position last year or for this year. I think Benitez is going to be that person who can finally unlock it for them. Very quickly, Dom, I've ticked, I've tipped them for seventh and an outside chance of Europe this year. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you. Seventh. Seventh place. Scott, one of the, the, they've been relatively quiet in terms of the transfer. The only thing that they've done of any note has been Theo Walcott, who was made a free transfer in the end at the end of his loan period to Southampton. But apart from that, not a lot. But as Dom said, this is a team that's got some talent. As a, as a squad, I, I was so surprised at how they, I mean, they had a lot of injuries later, late on in the year last year, which was a shame for them. Because they really started to kick on, and they were they were fighting for those European spots at one point. They have they have I think out of the out of the top four or top top five say they've got they've got probably the best squad on paper for me. Now they've brought in a manager that obviously Ancelotti he he come in and Madrid have obviously just said oh we want you back so he pulled their arm off for that job so he's he's just left them in the dust. But I think Benitez as much as it's a it's going to be a huge rivalry with Liverpool and that signing, but. I, I think he's really going to get them kicking on. They've got a good chance. I mean, we get get, get Calvert Lewin firing up front, um, and you've really got boys off him that can score goals. So I'm going for six this year for them, um, and I think they're going to kick on. So I reckon a good year for Everton. Yeah, mate. Um, sorry, boys, put the dampener on it, but <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's a bit of back to square one, a little bit with Everton, just with disappointment. You know, Ancelotti obviously was building something. They're playing all his tactics. Benitez comes in, he's a whole different kettle of fish, he likes things done his way, and he doesn't always rub up well with a lot of players, we'll see how he gets on with the players, but I've, he's been known to ruffle a few feathers, uh, so I'm not 100% sure that the team is going to do so well, I think they're still going to be there or thereabouts, just because they have got a great squad, as Scotty said, but they're just going to miss out on you know any sort of European place for me, they're going to be an eighth, 
Still a good finish, but I think the the following year, if Benitez stays on, then they'll obviously um, you know achieve Europe the year after. I feel. Let's go to a team that Dom and I rated one of the highest from last year in terms of their overall achievement. I, I can't remember if you and I both gave them A pluses for how they went last year, but it is Leeds United, managed by everyone's new favourite manager and Marcelo Bielsa. They finished ninth place and. Dom, it's, it's been a relatively quiet time for them on the transfer market, but when you've got a team that's been playing as well as Leeds United have, I don't think you need to. To an extent, I agree with you. And the problem I have with Leeds is, is that their style of football is it's very entertaining, it's fun to watch, it's high energy, but it's very energetic. Almost too energetic from time to time. And in the long Premier League season, and especially as they start to push for more European competitions if they get into them um, after this season, that squad's going to need a bit more depth. So Because it drains you having to play the way that they play every week. It's tiring watching it, let alone playing it. And I think that they need to bring in some players who I think can, I don't know, slow it down a little bit, a bit of class. They've got a bunch of hard workers in there, but for mine, they, if they want to play the way that they play under Beasley Ball, they need the depth. And right now they just don't quite have it. So when you lose those players, they get a bit injured. You know, you lose a, an Alioski, you lose a, a Rafinha um, or, a, or, a, or Jack Harrison who may have to go back to Manchester City or Calvin Phillips. That's when you start to see cracks in the side. And that happened a couple of times last year. And that's where they, and they drop points and silly points as well. Points they should have easily collected. I think they need to bring in some players, not too many, just one or two to kind of strengthen the squad and, and keep it up to scratch. But yeah, they're they're a very exciting team to watch, and and I have you know high hopes for them again this season to kind of upset the the apple card on the big six, well the so-called big six as we call them. Well, I've got them upsetting the apple card on the big six. I've actually got them finishing six. Okay. Wow! Yeah, me there's, too, there's mate. my call. There's my me big too. call. <laughs> me too. <laughs> you got them finishing six. Absolutely. I think, oh, I, think, I think I think I think it's a it is a good call. I just think they they did have a good year last year, and whether they can whether they can kick on again and, and do even better than they did, and I think they're gonna they're just gonna need a couple more players. Really, it's it's hard to just keep your momentum and keep those standards because those standards that that Bielsa wants as a team they're so high. They he has them working so hard every game. They 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 they're out on their feet every game. They work they work immensely hard for each other. Um, if you can do that week in, week out as a team, and obviously you've got to keep those players together with no injuries, um, I can definitely see them right up there. Whether they can just have hold it for the whole year is, is another thing. I've got them. I've got them in tenth, mate. Again? Yeah. Uh, Dom, your prediction very quickly. I have them in. Did I say ninth already? I'm going to have them in the same spot as last year in ninth. In ninth place. Uh, I think we've got Arsenal in ninth, so that will okay. leave eighth, eighth I, or tenth. I, eighth. They're better than Arsenal. Eighth. Yeah. And, Michael, the one rumour we've got at the moment for them is that they're in the running to sign Maxwell Cornet from Lyon for £20 million. Would he be one of those signings that they need to solidify the depth of this squad? Mate, absolutely. And if you told me this, like, a season or two ago that they're in the running for this guy, I would be like, yeah, they're going to miss out on him. But honestly, Leeds are capable of getting those guys just because they got Bielsa in charge. I mean, when they got Rodrigo, man, when they signed him up, I was, I was flipping out. Like, we're over in Spain at that time. And even the Spanish press were like, how the hell did Leeds United get Rodrigo? Because he is a great player. He didn't score many last year, but I think he'll kick on big time this year. And, yeah, I think definitely they're capable of signing any of those big names now, thanks to Bielsa, and that signing would be a great one for the team. Well, let's go to our last team to wrap up for this podcast. It is Leicester City, managed by Brendan Rodgers. They finished fifth last year, took the FA Cup Championship, 
And Dom, this team just continues to create miracles since their return to the top flight. Survival in 2014-15, the Premiership in 2015-16, Champions League semi-finalists in 2016-17, and now their first FA Cup. Mm, it's uh, it, it, Leicester. What are you doing, Leicester, this year? That's a tough one. They're an amazing team. They've obviously continued their successes on that uh, historic title win year on year. Um, since and they've got a they've got a really good team playing uh, under Brendan Rodgers at the moment. You know, led by the uh, ageless Jamie Vardy. But again, you know, I, I'd be disappointed. They should have been playing Champions League football again this year. They they slipped when it mattered. You know, those so-called kind of big teams powered through in the end, right? And kind of put them to the sword, which was a bit disappointing to see. Where do you do what are you doing this year? I'm not too sure. I think they do need to. Maybe find a successor for Vardy. Maybe another player to help uh, Madison with a bit of creativity. But there's no doubt that they'll be... I, th- I have them in fifth again this year under Brendan Rodgers. And if they can sign like a real class player, like I'm talking world beater, then you can start talking about them being in that top four. But until then, they need, uh, they're going to be fifth for me again. But they are a joy to watch in the Premier League. There's no doubt about it. And Michael, we've seen the we've seen the transition now from that fantastic Foxes squad of 2015-16. Indeed, the only ones left in there are the aforementioned Vardy, Kasper Schmeichel, and Mark Albrighton. There are some big transfer rumours occurring for this squad at the moment, and the biggest one being Philip Coutinho being spoken about joining the squad. Oh my god, that would be amazing, mate. Honestly, I think Coutinho, especially in the Premier League, like is just a gun. He definitely knows how to do it and turn it on. He would be an awesome signing for Leicester. Like, I don't know if they're going to get him or not. Honestly, I think it's a bit of honestly, I think it's a bit of a pie in the sky stuff. I don't think that they're actually going to cross the line with him in the end. But mate, even if they don't, honestly, what um Dom was saying before about like Vardy needing replacing Mate, that new signing that they've just signed, Patson Ducker from Salzburg, you guys know about him. Like, he scored 34 goals in 42 appearances last year. That dude's a gun. Like, check him out on YouTube. Like, honestly, <laughs> I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a great signing for Leicester. Like, that's already a good start, even if they don't get Coutinho. And the other one, Scott, that's been lined with this team is uh, Ryan Christie. This, this is a team that, yeah, they, they've actually, for one of the few times we've seen in the Premier League, they've actually managed a transition phase quite well. Yeah, I mean, they've uh, what they've done with this squad in terms of the players they've brought in and, and getting the best out of their, their players is pretty phenomenal, really. I mean, Rodgers has obviously been such a great appointment, but even before that, as a club, they've just gone from leaps and bounds and, and just... It's it's been unreal, obviously. I mean, winning the winning the title that year was just outrageous. They're never going to say anything like that ever again. And they they they're sort that's sort of the bar they've set now as a club. And I mean, they definitely they definitely need to go into the market and and get someone else that can back up Vardy because we know that when he's out, they can struggle because. He, he does, he just continues to score goals every year and you think, I'm, I'm not sure, really sure how he does it, but he's such a good footballer and he's just kicking on every year. But if he's not scoring 25 goals for them or 20, 20 to 25 goals as a striker, you, it, it, you can't really rely on Madison to get you, to get you all the goals. So I think they're going to have to go into the market again. They've got a great squad. Um, and I still, still think they're going to kick on again, but I, I think they'll come fifth. Michael, your tip for Leicester City? Yeah, mate. I honestly feel that Leicester City are going to just do the same as they did last year, mate. They're going to come fifth. They're going to miss out again on the Champions League, but they're going to be solid coming fifth again. Yeah. Right. Well, 
What a first half of the EPL preview it has been, and there's only more to come. I'd like to thank our panel for joining us. First off, Michael, such a good pleasure. Great to have you back in the country, and we can't wait to have you back with us next week. Uh, Thanks so much, mate. It's awesome to be here, and thanks for the opportunity, man. Scott Balderson, keep kicking on. We know know you're itching to get back out on the park and drive Manly United towards that top four finish. Yeah, mate, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Happy to come on whenever. It's been been a blast. I'm always keen to talk football, as you know. I'm hoping that we can, or everyone can get back to normal, to be honest, because it's been a uh, strange year and a half. Um, and things just want to get back to normal and, and we want to get back to our football as normal, really, and keep playing and, and, and enjoying it. So happy to be here and thanks for having me. Dom, got any, say anything else more to you? <laughs> Bring on next week. Bring on next week. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Karingai Post and the Hornsby RSL. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto, Michael Lloyd Green and Scott Balderson. I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. <laughs>